Father God, we thank you just once again uh, to be here tonight to worship your name, Father God. Uh, rather we have someone to lead us in that or not, Father, we're just, we just long to worship you. And so, Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, and I ask for myself that you would just uh, stir up your spirit, Lord, and, and speak through me, Father God. Let this flesh just fade, and let us all have open hearts and minds to your word tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All righty, guys. So thank you all again for being here. It is an honor to serve you all guys. And to be useful for something, I guess. That's always good, right? So, you know, I don't know about y'all. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but, you know, I, I really see revival stirring up. And, you know, that's a, that's a word. In fact, it even says it on my Bible. Someone gave me a sticker. You know, people are always preaching about revival and yada, yada, yada. We need it, blah, blah, blah. But it's very rare that I really see it. But I'm really seeing it right now. You know, um, at Shriner, I'm starting to lose count of the people accepting Christ, and we're having a baptism. And not only that, but there are people who are already Christians that are stepping up and saying, I want to share my faith. And there's people in my Christian ethics class who are realizing, as we're doing this study, um, that they, have n- they don't know anything about the Bible. And the only thing they know about Christianity is what someone told them, and that that can be very dangerous. You know, it is dangerous. Um, most of what they know is true, but that's not the point. And so I'm starting to see more and more people really have a hunger for Christ. And that is truly amazing. Anyways, with that being said, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 15. That's where we're going to be tonight. And uh, the message of our title is Jesus Up, In, and Out. Okay, And I will explain that to you because as of right now, that makes absolutely no sense to you. But before I explain that to you, I want to go ahead and just read through the scripture real quick, and then we'll come back and talk about it. So starting in verse 7, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, right, if he's talking about the law in general, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. And we'll talk about that. That's not a pretty term. But you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. So we're going to talk a little bit about love tonight. Um, But I want to start with this. Stanley... How do you say this name? Um, Hauer was. Hauer Hauer was. Stanley Hauer was. It's a hard name. He was named America's best theologian in 2001. Okay? So he's apparently some sort of famous. I should know how to say his name. But Stanley once made the statement that the ethics of love is often but a cover for what is fundamentally an assertion of ethical relativism. Now, what ethical relativism relativism is, is basically it means that whatever is true for you is true for you, and truth is different for everybody, and everybody's morals and ethics. There's really no basis or foundation. It's just whatever someone thinks, right? So that's ethical relativism. And basically what Stanley is saying is that for the most part, when people are talking about love or love as a, as a paradigm or as their moral code, that it's really just the cover for that. It's really just kind of a cop-out. And with that, guys, I really have to agree. I think he's right. You see, when you ask people, what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to be a Christian? What do you think God wants? You know? You know what the answer almost always is? Oh, just, you know, you got to love people. You just show people love. You know, God, you know, I want to please God, and I'll ask him how. Oh, I just, you know, I just, I just love. I just love people, and that'll make God happy. 
I'm like, okay, well, that's a lie. I don't stop that conversation there. Um, I have many things to say to that, but that's not the point. The problem with that answer, however, is that there is no real, at least in, in their terms, there's no definition of love, right? They don't have this set expression of what love is supposed to look like. Even in their, in their selves, they don't really have any kind of accountability to this system of love. And that's ethical relativism. That love depends on each person and really has no definite meaning. So guys, when you're talking to people, next time someone says, you know, God just wants us to love each other. Okay? Just say, okay, how? And watch them scramble for a second. Or better yet, just say, okay, well, based on what? And you can stand just like this. No, don't do that. Say, based on what? And watch them go, uh... Because it's not really, it's just a cop-out, right? But here's the thing, guys, because the Bible does define love. Not only does it define it, but it gives us very real application for our lives and for others, right? It actually gives us a blueprint to live it out accurately. And that brings me to the title of our message, Jesus Up and Out, because God gives this great commandment, right, that, the first great commandment is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. Right? And the second great commandment is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Love. But the only way to really fulfill this is through Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So the only way to love God is through Christ. And through knowing his word and by walking in his spirit, then he teaches us not only to love him, but he teaches us how to love our neighbors. And the Jesus up and out is going up to God. And also, we have to love two types of neighbors, guys. Anybody want to guess what those are? In and out? So we have neighbors that are in the body of Christ, right? And we got to learn to love them. Even if they have different church or whatever, right? But we also have people outside the body of Christ, and we have to know how to love them too, right? So this is the principle of Jesus up and out, and it was taught to me by a good friend of mine, Chuck Wood. And we're kind of going to just use it as a kind of a lens at looking at this message, okay? On how do we really make love a reality in our life? And there's a couple ways we can look at that. So I'm going to go back, starting in verse 7. Paul's talking to the church, whom he loves. And he says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Hmm. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Let me ask you something, guys. Where are you in your life right now? I want you just to think about that. Where are you in your life right now? Where are you in your walk with Christ right now? Do you really feel like you have one? Are you being fueled by your time with him? Or would you really have to admit that you haven't really spent much time seeking him at all? How about this? Are you in a place where you are being obedient to his calling in your life? Or can you think back over better times and say, you know what, I really need to get back to that? Trust me, I know how that feels. Right? I need that again. But here's the thing. If we, if we can't really be confident in answering these questions positively, right, we need to go back and we need to ask yourself, like Paul asks the church in verse 7, who hindered us from obeying the truth? You wear scrubs? Dang, what's up, yo? Anyways, who hindered us from obeying the truth? And for everyone, it's a little bit different, right? So what are those things? Think about it for yourself. What are those things in your life? Who are those people that are getting in the way? Okay? Because if anybody, can anybody here raise their hand and say that there's nothing really getting in the way with the relationship with Jesus? 
That's just spot on perfect. No? Actually, if one or two purposes, I wasn't going to say anything. I mean, whatever. But I'm glad y'all are on this. That's good. Okay. So what are those things? Think about them. Because I want to tell you a story. This was just a couple months ago. And uh, I had just come off of like Jesus mountaintop for like a whole month. Right? Whole month. I just felt like I was on fire. And uh, after that month, um, I kind of got distracted and I kind of fell off. And then waking up and praying and reading and all these things was a chore. And I had to force myself to do it. Now, when I forced myself to do it, my day was great, but it was, it was a struggle. And uh, so I was kind of in and out, in and out. And then I got a call from my buddy saying his wife had just got healed. And I've told you that story. She had no stomach for six years. And then, boom, sh- someone prayed over her, and now she can eat. It's crazy. And uh, so I was, I was really excited, and I was praying. And I was like, man, Lord, sh- I want I want to I want to be active in your kingdom, you know. I want people to know you and to see your hand in their life and uh, yada 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 yada. I was just inspired. And so I was praying and I was like, "Lord, what do I need to do? You know, what do I need to do to be in that place again? What do I need to do to be that person where people can look at me or or what I'm doing and see you?" Right? What what do I need to do? And God spoke to me and it was a very simple answer. He said, do the things you did before. Do the things you did before. And I had to think back to when I was really, really felt on fire for God. And when I was really going out and ministering, when I was really seeing the Lord do amazing things, what was my lifestyle like? Right? What was I doing in the morning and at night and at midday? How was I seeking the Lord? How was I letting him speak to me? And I just had to start doing those things again. And so that day, I, uh, I was in the shower praying this, having this conversation. So I got out of the shower, you know, dried off, and I just immediately hit my knees and was praying and praying and praying and reading my word. And I decided to fast that day, didn't eat, and went straight to Hastings from there. And to make a long story short, I'm there with Derek, and there's this guy sitting behind me. He asked me what kind of uh, clone I was wearing. I wasn't wearing any. Um, but anyways... Uh, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I need to, I should witness to the guy, right? He's on the phone now, and I'm thinking about it, but I'm kind of like, eh, maybe I won't because I'm lazy, I don't know. And then Derek shows me his phone, and Derek is like, dude, you need to witness to this guy. I didn't say, how come you're not doing it? But but I'm like, man, you're right, okay. So I'm praying because this guy's on the phone, you know, waiting for me to go. I'm praying, and I'm saying, Lord, give me something for this guy so he knows I'm from you. That was my, that was my prayer. Give me something for this guy so he knows I'm from you. And God just said he had someone in his life named Jarrell who died when he was nine. And I'm like, so I write it down, and I show Derek. And he's like, do you know this guy? I'm like, no idea who this guy is. Kind of questionable about this, but we're about to find out, okay? But I wrote it down, so there was some witness, right? Like, I can't, I can't get out of this. So the guy walks outside, and I see him hang up his phone, so I walk out there, and I said, hey, man, uh, you mind if I ask you a question? He's like, yeah. So I'm super brave, so I just shot it straight at him, right? Told him the whole thing, right? No, I didn't do that. I said, hey, uh, was there someone in your family named Jarrell? And he's like, yeah, man, I had a cousin named Jarrell. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. I'm like, did he die when you were nine? He went, he's like, yeah, man. He was shot in San Antonio. You know, he didn't, he didn't make it. And I'm like, dang, dog, it's crazy, right? And I'm like, well, are you even from here? He's like, no, dude, I'm from San Antonio. I'm like, so there's no way I could know this, right? He's like, no, <laughs> there's no way. So I began to tell him about who my God was, about, about Jesus, what he'd done in my life, my one-minute story, and told him that, that he was the living God, and he's the reason I knew this, and I was able to tell him this, was because God gave it to me for him so God could reveal his love to him, and he got saved that day. There's more to the story. It's not important, but it all stems from do the things that you did before, and you know what that boiled down to? Really loving God. Really loving God. You know, I love my wife, so I spend time with her when I'm not, when I, ha- when I have time to spend with her. <laughs> you know, and I talk to her, and I, I'm married, so there's other things we won't talk about. But I spend time with my life, my wife. I love her, right? <laughs> and uh, I hadn't been spending that same type of time with God. And I had to, to learn again to love God like that. 
right? But there was, so there was things in my life that were causing distractions. But Paul goes on in verse 8 to say, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Now that's a powerful verse, right? Because I was asking you to think about what are the things that are getting in the way of your relationship with the Lord? What are the things that are distracting you that are pulling away your attention? And there are things, you know them, I don't, right? But there are things. And whatever those things are that pull in your heart, that distractions, right? Maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's women or men, maybe it's just friends, right? Maybe like we talked about in the last, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's T, I don't know. Whatever those things are, there's a pull in your heart, and if it's pulling you in any direction other than Christ, listen to the, what the Holy Spirit says right here, that this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. I want you to just let that sink in for a minute. Because I've seen brothers just recently who have fallen into some pretty hard, pretty deep pits because they are being persuaded by the people close to them. They were being persuaded by simple little things. And it wasn't started off as, it started off as a little thing. And over time, they were pulled away. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you, right? And then he goes on to say, and a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now what he's talking about there with leaven is sin, right? He's using an analogy. But this little pool that we just discussed or maybe in a different sense, that little bit of anger, a little seed of anger, right? That little seed of pride, that little bit of judgment, or maybe unforgiveness. Whatever that seed is in your heart, the Bible considers that leaven. And if we let any part of that stay in our heart, you know, you put a little bit of leaven in some dough and the whole thing rises. That little seed is going to work through all of us. And Satan's pretty tricky. So Satan will say to you, hey, man, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a little thing. You know, no big deal. He'll say, just let it go. Or he'll say, you know what? This issue that you clearly know is an issue because we're having a conversation right now in your head, so you know it's an issue, but you're trying to deny that's an issue. You know what I'm saying, right? Anyways, he'll say, that's not really the problem. It's not really that. It's really, you know, this or this, or you're just, you know, this. And if you're just careful, if you just work a little harder, they'll be okay. You don't need to tell. You don't need to tell the church, right? You don't really need to ask for prayer. Nobody needs to know. You just work a little harder. You can do it. Satan will tell you that. He'll tell you, you can do it. You know why he'll tell you that? You know why he'll give you a pep talk? Does anybody not believe me when I say that? Satan will tell you he believes in you. Do you know why? Because you can't do it. Without Christ. Without Christ, you cannot do it. With Christ, all things are possible. But in yourself, you can't do it. And Satan will, will lie to you, right? But that little bit of leaven, whatever that is, that will rise up through all of you. Not only that, but when he's writing here, and even in Matthew when Jesus is, or is talking, or uh, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians, again, uh, when Paul is talking to that church, he's not talking, when he's talking about the leaven, he's not talking about just us, he's talking about the whole church. That becomes an issue that rises up in the whole church. And something we have to do, guys, is we have to start to develop a church mentality that, yes, God is focused on you. He sees everything you do. He never takes your eyes off you. You are an individual, unique creation in Christ. But you are part of a body. And you play a, a role, a purpose. And if God can, or if Satan can snatch you out of that, it causes the body to be weaker, right? And if Satan can allow you to walk and let that sin grow on you, it affects the whole body. Okay? We need to have a church mentality because we need to know that we have, the people in here, when we talk about we're family, when we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ, that means something. That really does. You know, I don't, I don't call people that aren't Christians brother. I don't. I don't call people that aren't Christian sisters. Because they're not. Not yet. 
We can change that, but they're not. But we are one body, right? And we are supposed to be here to, to build each other up, to bear one another's burdens. That's what it means to love, right? To have this active part, to take upon yourself someone else's burden. That's how we love people in the church, right? So 1 Corinthians verses, uh, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it'll be up on the board, talking again about leaven, okay? I think we quoted this a couple sermons ago. Paul tells the church, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. He said, truly? I've already dealt with your sin. As a body, you are pure before me. But we gotta ha- we got to handle this issue, okay? For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Notice he's saying us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Guys, we gotta, we got to purge out the sin from our life, yes, Leaven. Okay, you know bread? How bread gets like big and poofy? Okay, if there's stuff called yeast, you know what yeast is? Okay, you put it in the bread and it makes the bread grow, right? That's leaven. Okay, good question. Great question. Everybody, there's probably someone else in here that needed to hear that. All right. But we have to purge out that leaven from ourselves, right? But not only from it, but we with each other. We have to be there for each other. You know, believe it or not, not everybody realizes if they're doing something wrong that it's an issue. And to really love someone is to tell them, hey, bro, that's an issue. Hey, bro, that's not helping your life. I don't care how you justify it, right? Hey, that is a problem. But also for us, we have to be willing and realize that we can share our own problems with each other because we can't do it on our own. And we are here, we are a body for a reason, right? For a reason, to help each other in these struggles. And there's a, I've probably talked about this several times, but there's this verse that says, anything that is manifested, anything that comes to the light becomes light, right? And when things come out into the open, suddenly they're apparent and God can deal with them, boom. Right? And others, we can, we can hold each other accountable to those things. When things are out in the open, when they're unmasked, then they can be cast down. And we can be clean again. Right? So we need to be, be willing to love each other in such a way that we can share our flaws and our struggles with each other. Because that's what we're here for. And we also need to love each other enough that we're willing to lose a friend. If that's what it takes to really show them love. And we'll talk about that more, on why that's important. Right. So if the whole body can be affected by sin, the whole body is part of that protection and restoration. Verse 10. But he says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who... who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. So what I think he's saying, because obviously they don't have this mind because they are falling astray. What I, what I believe he's saying is, I, I'm confident that you're going to have the same mind, that you are going to adjust your thinking to what I'm saying. That I, Paul, as he's writing these people, that you're going to understand the words that I'm giving you, the truth that I'm giving you, and you're going to receive them. And for whoever is troubling you, if any of these things in your life, who if... If uh, someone is the source of that trouble in your life, it's not their fault. I mean, you, you choosing it. But if they're the source of that trouble, he goes on to say, they shall bear their judgment, whoever they are. That's a pretty scary thing. And so if that person's a Christian, I'd recommend talking to him. <coughs> Matthew 18.6 says this. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. How many of you in here can read? 
Good job. You raised your hand before Amber. Good job. All right. So if you can read, I want you all to read this out loud with me. We're going to have a group participation grade, right? And we're all going to pass. Okay, so let's start back. Whoever who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. So when you're, hey, what was church about? Oh, you know, drowning people with millstones. <laughs> what? Yeah, you can say it. It's okay. Does that sound like a good position to be in? Not too hot, huh? I don't really wa- like water that much. But you know what? This is, how, this is how we fulfill this Jesus up in and out, right? Love is not this kind of lofty, as long as the person feel good, feels good things, as long as we're friends, we love each other. That's a lie. That is not love. When you tell someone the truth, and when you do what is right by them, even if they don't want it to be done, that is love. That is love. Loving God in a way where our first priority is obeying his command and having a longing to purge ourselves, our household, and his body, the church, of that which is leaven. And trust me, it is not comfortable. I've had to do all three of those things. In fact, even pretty recently, I've had to do all three of those things. Myself, my house, and the church. And you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people get upset. Sometimes we lose friends. I have been thankful that other than telling people the truth that are kind of maybe not Christians, you know, or kind of not really real close to me, other than that, as far as people I really know, I don't think I've lost any friends. Temporarily, yes, I have. In fact, most of y'all were here when we had a small group and like four people went on stories about how they hated me for like a week or two, you know, whatever. But God's been good to me, but sometimes that happens. But when we love God first and our desire is to please him or our desire to please him will always outweigh our desire to please others. And if that's not happening in your life, if, if you're maybe living in that reverse order, I want you to really think about what I'm, our words here tonight. What is your priority? Because it's always going to be judged by the way you live your life, not by what we say at church, right? Because, man, if that was okay, we'd all be perfect Christians. We'd be like, heck yeah, we got it going on, dog. <clears throat> Anyways, that's my squeaky voice. So, again, j- uh, another, another little bit of scripture for you. I don't want you taking my word for it. James 4.4. Here's another uplifting scripture for the day. Adulterer, <laughs> why you gotta laugh? Come on, man. I'm trying to preach a sermon here. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know, listen to this, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, hatred with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And you high school kids better write this on your backpacks because y'all are the worst. I'm just saying. I'm not saying like y'all personally. I don't know what's going on in your life. But high school kids, you need to write that down. Because if someone, if I had someone in my life, you know, if there was one or two people in my life as a high school student who spent some sort of real time with me and would have showed me things like this, I never would have went to jail. I wouldn't have. I never would have done half the things I did. I would have been completely different person yeah I went to church sometimes but whatever I didn't have anybody in my life who knew the Bible I didn't have anybody who loved me enough to tell other than my parents to tell me that thank you Caden I didn't have anybody in my life who loved me enough other than my parents to tell me that what I was doing was wrong everybody I knew was just as jacked up as I was and we were all trying to convince each other that it was okay. And really, it is that simple. That stupid of a reason is why I almost went to prison. That's it. Because no one loved me enough to tell me something like this. Crazy. I think about it all the time, actually. It's crazy. Starting in verse 11. 
And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, if I'm still walking in these people's ways, the ways of the world and their teachings, what he's saying, why do I still suffer persecution? He's only suffering persecution because he's faithful to Christ. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. (laughs) I could wish that those who trouble you would cut themselves off. Now, he's talking about circumcision, right? So there's male anatomy being cut. So when he's talking about them being cut themselves off, I'll let you all fill in the picture of what he's trying to say there, okay? There's younger children. I'm going to leave. Anyways. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty, freedom, as an opportunity for your flesh. But through love, real love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So in the last, as we're going through Galatians, we've talked a lot about liberty, right? A lot about freedom in Christ, the law and things like that. We've talked about our promise of salvation. But what we haven't talked about a whole lot is what are we really free from? When he says liberty, what, what is he talking about? What are we free from? Entanglement, nice word. I think I think this cool pastor was like preaching about that a week or so ago. Anyways, okay. So let's let's talk about this. What are we free from? Are we, are we free from rules and regulations? Careful how you answer that. Are we free from discipline? How about this? Are you free from consequences? Yeah, you go, someone, someone volunteer for me to go punch a brick wall really hard. And let's see if your belief that's not going to hurt holds up, right? I don't think so. Are we free from right and wrong? Of course not, right? No, rather, we are free from the grip of sin and death, okay? What that means is that dying, you're not going to die. You're going to enter into an eternal kingdom. You're going to be given a new body, new heaven, new earth, and we're going to see God face to face. And all this jacked up life is going to be nothing right and we're also free from sin now which is in christ we have the opportunity and the ability to not sin which is good and bad right it's good because hey we don't have to do that Woo! it's bad because if you're doing it you chose to join the club or rather actually let's all get out of that club y'all want to do that how about we all just go home make cookies and decide to get out of that club Amber's making the cookies. Okay? So we're free from this grip of sin and death, right? That in the spirit, we can actually be alive to God. That's what we're free from. Okay? We're free from the weight of the law, this condemnation that in the spirit, we can actually fulfill the law through love in Christ. Right? That's how we're free. We are free to give all we have. We're free to serve and be humble. We're free to love and to suffer. Yeah, we are free to suffer. What a crazy thing to say. But we're free to love and to suffer, knowing that Christ will reward every last deed. And Romans 8.28 says, for we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, All I can do is really give you my experience examples, but last November, my wife lost her job. God told me to quit my job, and we had to move out of our house all in the same month. So we lost about $2,500 in finances, and we're having to move into a house that was twice the rent when we were already barely making it paycheck to paycheck. Does any of that sound good? Good, because you would have a messed up idea of what good sounds like. None of that sounds good, right? We had no idea what we were going to do. But God works all things together for the good. So you know what? God was answering our prayer for Courtney to be a stay-at-home mom. She's been one ever since, right? Yeah, I lost a third of my income, but God has doubled and tripled my ministry. I got to go to Romania. I've got to see people get healed. I've got to see demons cast. I've got to see crazy stuff, right? And now we live in a house twice the size with a backyard for our kids and a garage. That is crazy. So were those things good? No. 
Did God use him for the good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. And that is the truth of who God is, right? Christian love serves those outside the body, okay? We should be sacrificing for those who don't know Jesus so that they might hear the word, right? We should love people enough to tell them who Christ is in our life, okay? Everybody in this room is a Christian because someone loved them enough to tell them who Jesus was, even if it was their pastor. It's that simple. We got to do the same thing. We got to love those outside the body, right? Christian love leads us to serve brothers and sisters in Christ according to what is right and true, and that is not relative, okay? Example, giving a two-year-old a knife because he really wants one. Good idea? Bad idea? Okay, if you give my two-year-old, actually, I don't have a two-year-old. You give my one-and-a-half-year-old a razor-sharp knife, you are not going to convince me that you really love him, okay? You give a drug addict money for drugs because he really feels bad otherwise. You don't really love him, right? Letting a brother or a sister just continue in sin because, you know, it would be really awkward to talk to him about that. That's not love. That's not love. Love serves in what is right and true, even when it's hard, because the only way to love people in and out of the body of Christ is by loving God first, and that means keeping his commandments and purging out those things which draw us from him, right? Loving God first. Christian love is making hard choices for what God defines as good, okay? Now, with all that being said, I want to I want to end with one verse. 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are his. And second part I'm more worried about or more concerned with. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Those things that are pulling at your life, those things that are getting in the way of your relationship with God, those things that you know really you could give up for a little while, but you just haven't done it. Those things you need to be doing, but you're not. Whatever it is that's pulling at you, right? Verse 8 said, this persuasion does not come from God. It does not come from him who calls you. So it's not coming from God. Where do you think it's coming from? And your brothers and sisters, if they're not, you know that they're having struggles, you know that they're, they're hurting or that they're, they're being pulled away. You can, show, you can <laughs> go talk to them. We're one body, right? Show some real love to those people because that's, the only, that's what would have made the difference in my life. That's what made the difference in your life. Make that same difference in someone else's life. That's real love. And finally, those people that, that you know in your life, your family, your friends, your coworkers that don't know Jesus, those outside the body, Start fr- praying for those people and just make a, make a simple choice to tell them who God is and what he's done in your life. That's all you have to do. You don't need to be a theologian, right? You don't need to have the Bible. Memory. Just tell them who Jesus is, what he did in your life. And if you need help, I can, I can teach you. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for this, li- uh, for this night, Lord. And I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you not only guide us, Lord, into truth, into righteousness, but, Lord, that you help us along the way, that you give us the strength, you give us the power, Father God, and, uh, and you give us your word as a, as a guide. Lord Jesus Christ, I ask for everybody in here, Father, that they would look at those things in their life that are, that are um, getting in the way of their relationship with you, and that they would choose to love you first. Father, that they would love you before Facebook. They would love you before their friends. They would love you before X, Y, and Z, Lord. And that that love would overflow as they learn to love others, not the way the world loves, but the way you love. And Lord, in all things, that you would help us uh, purge out those things um, that get between us and you. And so, Father God, we just come in our hearts to you tonight, Lord, and we just ask, Lord, forgive us of our sins. 
cleanse us right now and, and fill us with your spirit. So, Father God, we thank you, and I ask that you bring us all back safely again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. sing the song one more time. Thank y'all guys. Um, yes, yes. Okay, uh, we have, we're going to resume something this Saturday night at 6.30. Uh, we stopped doing for a couple months because it was summertime. Because it was summertime. I think that they could hear me, but anyways. Okay. Uh, it's called Man Church. It's called Man Church. If you can handle all that testosterone... Yes, I suppose you would be welcome. Um, but what, and uh, but what we're going to be doing is we're going to actually be going back to basics, starting this. And it's Saturdays at six thirty, and we're going to ask a simple, very simple question. Should be having a very simple answer. What's God like? Your answer to that question determines whether your walk with our Lord in this treacherous world will be successful or not. Because if you don't know what God is like and you don't know what his ways are, it's never going to happen. But if you know what he's like and you know what his ways are, 
and his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts for as the heavens are high above the earth so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts is that in the bible <laughs> isaiah 55 if you understand what god is like and what his ways are and how to walk with him you will see success as defined by god and let me tell you what that's the only definition that is sane and it will have an eternal blessing for you and so i would encourage you gentlemen and all those ladies who think they can handle all that testosterone and we'll we'll meet right back here in this room uh i would invite you 6 30 saturday nights we'll be starting resuming this saturday so all right thank you all right we also have you know there is a congregation called friendship bible church they meet on sunday mornings in this room at from 10 30 to about 11 45 i've heard it's good yeah that's right sometimes i'm here every, i'm here sometimes every Sunday. we let this guy preach even sometimes i can't even reschedule you supposed to do yeah yeah i've been on a hiatus huh by the way this sunday is the lord's supper and afterwards once every three months we have a love feast so we're going to have a love feast Free food. in the other building when it's all after the worship service is over and if you only if all you can bring is an appetite please bring your appetite but we have some outrageous uh, culinary uh, treats on the your sister-in-law I heard is doing a great job where's she at oh did she run away where'd she, she go she's next door she is a good cook y'all are gonna have to okay. beat her up and make her cook us something jalapeno cheese cornbread <laughs> yes Bob Barrett doing the meat. Oh, Bob yeah. Barrett is a legendary retired Las Vegas fireman. And these guys are cooking competitors. That is a big deal. It's part, part, of the, part of the fireman culture. And when this guy retired from the fire department in Las Vegas, they said, well, you can retire, but you will continue to bring food. <laughs> and then he moved to Texas, so that's that. Yeah. The only pork other than bacon that I eat you know, willingly, is Bob's. I eat his pork chops. Chicken fried pork cutlets. Oh, yeah. Sounds fancier, too, when you say it like that. I just say pork chops, but... Yes, so Sunday, please feel free to come to church with us if you'd like. We'll be here. Um, Otherwise, there's food back there, I think. Feel free to eat. And if y'all are going to take off, thank you so much for being here. Um, Anybody else who would like to stay, we're going to hang out at the table. Jacob's not here, so we're just going to let y'all ask some questions, talk a little bit, and then we'll... Take off after that. Be blessed. I invited y'all on Facebook. Well, I don't have I don't have my Facebook password, so oh, no. uh, the only way I'm gonna remember is that you see it weeks Friday and Saturday there'll be a morning service at 10 a.m. So request, yeah, just take that day off, um, request it off, and check it out. You got a month to request it. Your boss can't give you much slack about that. Those are my glasses. Our boss requires two months in advance.